0: The WLEW Sports Network presents The Strong Side with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. The Strong Side is presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269-GUN. Come, Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet, Go Thompson, and Sure Health, Better Health, Better Life. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by Agri-Valley Services.
1: And then there were just four teams remaining in each division. Good evening and welcome to the WLEW Sports Network's presentation of The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. I'm Clark Ramsey, your host, and join me tonight is a true professional. He even has license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hanson. Thank
2: you, thank you, Clark. Uh, Paul, good to see you. And uh, this is in, guys, I think Harper, I think
3: I'll probably just scored again.
1: <laughs> also with us in studio is the sports editor here on County View, Paul B. Adams. Yeah, we're
3: gonna we're gonna talk a lot about Ugly. Uble- yeah, I want to talk about Lakers too. I was at both of these games. Really impressed by uh, the showing the Lakers had yesterday.
1: The third week of the postseason is behind us. The Ugly Bearcats scored on every single possession, putting up a super running clock at halftime and winning sixty-five to six. In Division 7, the Lakers fought tough against one of the best teams in the state of Michigan, but fell short 20-nothing to Paloma, West You
3: know, I think that was the first time I've seen the super running clock, because I don't generally cover blowout games. Uh, I, I didn't really know the rules behind that, but I certainly enjoyed that quick second half.
2: No kidding. It was it was just uh they had no idea what was coming. Breckenridge was completely lost. They were they were watching guys go right by him because they were completely fooled. It was absolutely incredible how they execute their fakes. The Bearcats were Rolling on all cylinders on Friday night.
1: It's an all-in-depth look of the third week of the playoffs, and it's all right here on Sports Radio 1021 in live and worldwide at Sports.com. You're listening to The Strong Side, presented by Thumbbank and Trust, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Rainey's Hunting Center, Thompson Chevrolet and Wolverine Auto Brokers of X, and Sure Health. Better health, better life, are you sure? You're listening to The WLW Sports Network, 60 minutes dedicated to high school football in the playoffs. The road to Ford Field continues. And left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at wallywsports.com. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams with you until 8 o'clock tonight. The third week of the postseason is complete, and let's take you through the scoreboard. We're starting out in Division 7 football. And the Elkton Pigeon Bay Port Lakers entered the game with a 9-2 record. Have not lost since that loss to Reese four weeks ago. And they're taking on Pawama West Philly, one of the best programs in the state. And the Pirates, uh, well, it was 20 nothing when all said and done. We'll break down this game in depth here for you in the second segment tonight. But really... Lakers gave their all in Palm Westphalia they were they were scared I could tell they were definitely scared
3: oh Palm Westphalia was absolutely concerned in the, this game because they could not move the ball the way they were supposed to and the Lakers did move the ball uh on a on a few drives and like was said I don't want to give too much away um that second drive of the game was really a, a tone setter um it, it's one of those uh you know coach LaVasse is probably going to lose a little sleep over uh the play call but uh, we'll we'll get into that I don't want to spoil it Talk about a cl- close game. I mean, we're talking, Pauam, Westphalia couldn't do anything. I mean, they
2: they eventually just overpowered and scored a couple times, but this was a back-and-forth slugfest, and I, I absolutely loved it.
1: And the Pauam, Westphalia Pirates now go on to play Traverse City-St. Francis as they took out Ishpemine-Westwood 48-20 to in Traverse City this past Friday or Saturday. Excuse me. On the other side of the bracket, Lawton takes out Michigan Catholic Central, forty-one to twenty-two, and they set up a game with Jackson Lumen Christie, who took out the Bulldogs of Detroit Loyola, thirty-five eighteen.
3: Just a just a tidbit on this Puamo, uh Traverse City St. Francis semifinal. You talk about blue bloods. These two team these two programs, have. 14 combined state championship game appearances and nine state championships between them. Uh, Traverse City with six state championships and West uh, Westphalia with three, much more recently, 16, 17, and 19. So, uh, it, it, you know, w- when you look at matchups in the state, two undefeated blue blood programs, it doesn't get much better than that.
2: Oh, then you, then you, throw, Jack, you throw Jackson, Lumen, Christie on the other side. I mean, come on, that Division 7 is stacked. And uh, I know you and I both thought Muskegon Catholic Central was all that too, Paul, but Lawton absolutely took it to them in Muskegon. So look for that, those last four teams. to That That is going to be worth the price of admission to watch those last couple games.
1: And we've said for quite some time the Division 7 may be the month, one of the most difficult divisions of all eight divisions in the MHSA playoffs this year. In Division 8 football, the ugly Bearcats on the game of the week. Well, it was never really in question after the third play of the game. Or third play of the game, Ubley wins sixty-five to six over Breckenridge. Ubley now improves to twelve and zero on the season. Breckenridge finishes at nine and three. And the only Bearcats now go on to take on Beale City, who beat Carson City Crystal, the Eagles, thirty-four to fourteen.
3: I'm just looking at your notes, for, uh, White Pigeon. Uh
1: <laughs> we'll get there in a second. I know, we'll get there sorry. in a second.
3: Uh, go ahead, Dave. I, I wasn't ready for
0: it.
2: <laughs> uh, I can't. That's all good. We're uh, gonna lose our then, Emmy I, now for this. <laughs> we, we we will we will break down Ubley here shortly. But uh, you know, Beal City handled Carson City Crystal pretty easily, 34 thirty-four fourteen. Keep in mind, Carson City didn't score until the fourth quarter. So this Beal City team is very good. They are for real, and uh, I'm looking forward. It should be a great matchup between them and Ubley. Really, when team. you
3: look at Ubley and Beal City on paper, their their similarities just jump off the page. Great offenses, great defenses. Something's going to have to give between these two teams. I, th- I think it's going to be a much lower scoring game than both teams are are have been used to.
1: And speaking of lower scoring games, on the other side of the bracket, Hudson the Tigers take out White Pigeon, eight nothing.
3: I award you no
2: points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
1: White Pigeon, you should stick to golf. Ottawa Lake Whitford, thirty-eight Clarkson Everest the Mountaineers with twelve. Which sets up the four final teams: of Division Eight Whitford, Hudson, Beale City, and the Elly Bearcats.
3: What really sticks out is is Hudson only winning eight to nothing. Um, this is the team that's widely considered the top team in Division Eight, and uh, White Pigeon, um, you know, to hold them to eight points, I, I think that, that that should open some eyes and say this Hudson team, uh, they they can. They could be had. I I really feel pretty good if if I'm up or Beale City, the winner of that game. Uh, I think they're gonna have a pretty good chance at at Hudson. I I think I think Hudson beats uh Whiteford. Um, and no surprise there.
2: I don't know. I like the hesitation after the eight nothing score. Cause uh, uh, it was eight nothing, I think, uh, after about 30 seconds of the game we watched on Friday night. So, uh, if they can only come up with one score, they're going to have to play a lot better than that. If they're going to beat our ugly Bearcats, I'll tell you that right now. Um, but they're going to have their hands full with Whiteford. And, and I think, uh, now this division really tightens up and we'll see who the best of the best is now. These are the best four teams in division eight bar none. And, uh, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. I, I'm I'm really excited to see that Hudson team only put up eight points against a golf school, and uh, makes me feel really good that Ugly's got a great chance to win two games, two more games yet.
1: And for the record, we do not know if White Pigeon is still a golf school. It was it was a <laughs> golf true. school 18 years ago, <laughs> and we have no facts beyond that point. So I guess we should be on national television. Uh, let's talk about the game of the week here: the Ubbly Bearcats hosting the Breckenridge Huskies, and it was all Ugly all night. 10-19 left in the first quarter, In Ubley scores with a Logan Mueller 30-yard run. The PAT from Brett Mueller is good. It makes it 7-0. 6-19 left in the first quarter. Ubley's Logan Mueller with his second score. The night, 9-yard run this time. The PAT from Mueller is good. It's 14-0. 5-32, not even a minute later. Ubley scores and a Colin Bursky 4-yard run. The PAT from Brett Mueller is good. makes it 21-0. And the shell shock is still not done yet for the Breckenridge Huskies. 21 seconds left in the first quarter. And Ubley's Mark Heilig with a 6-yard run makes it 28-0 after a made PAT. Thank you, Paul. On to the second quarter. Halfway through the second, Ubley's Logan Mueller with an 18-yard run. The PAT from Mueller is good. 35-0. Let the running clock begin. And 318 left in the second. Mark Heilig with a 1-yard run. That'd be his second score of the night. PAT from Mueller is good. It's 42-0. And we're not done yet. Minute 17 left in the first half, and Mark Heilig with a 10-yard run. The two-point conversion to make it 50-0 is good from Evan Peruski run. It's 50-0 at halftime, which sets up a super running clock for the entire second half. Halfway through the third quarter, Seth Maurer gets in the scoring mix with a forty-one yard run. PAT from Mueller is good. It's 57-0. And then in the fourth quarter, now Mind you, there have been timeouts. There have been touchdowns. Breckenridge called a timeout with a minute left in the third quarter. They basically just didn't want to play the rest of the third quarter. That timeout took them right to the fourth quarter. 11-16 left in the fourth. Matt Brandle intercepts. Breckenridge runs it back for 46 yards for the pick six. Touchdown is good. Colin Ossentoski is the two-point conversion. 65 nothing Ugly. And then with a minute 20, the final, game, final play of the game, Breckenridge... Throws down the field. Saunders connects with Ch- Kyler Chovinek for a 22-yard pass. The two-point conversion failed. 65-6 to is your final score. The elderly Bearcats win by 59 points in the regional championship for their third straight.
3: Here's what we talked about this last week. Um, Coach Sweeney said Breckenridge hadn't seen the wing tee. And it was evident. They had not seen the wing tee. They were not prepared to see the wing tee. Uh, You go back to that Mark Heilig 10-yard touchdown. I have a picture that I posted. Mark Heilig is running by two defenders with their eyes in the backfield. They had no idea. He ran by them with the ball. They had no idea where the ball was. And that was there all night. Um, I I think you, me, and Dave could have scored touchdowns on on Breckenridge. They just – that's how effective this offense was. And then you add – the, for me, there was no question that Ugly was going to have its way offensively. I felt like, uh, you know, when we when we did our uh, uh, predictions, that Ugly was going to score on every possession that it had, and it did. Uh, the key was how many defensive stops could they get? Well, a lot. Uh, 0 for 13 was Luke Saunders in the first half passing. I don't know if they had a first down in the, in the first half. It, it surely didn't seem like it. It seemed like we were just sitting there at the 20-yard line cuz they couldn't do anything. I and mean, they were running trick plays in the first quarter to try to to, to try to get out of this hole. And a, a lot of that a lot of credit has to go to Brett Mueller. His kickoffs were again phenomenal uh pinning Breckenridge back and making them try to go 80 yards against a defense that is uh really clicking on on all cylinders. Uh, the offense speaks
0: for itself they
2: uh, there was no answer for that that running game they, they hid the ball well they executed their fakes um they, they they were they used page page 1 of their playbook to put 65 up on this Breckenridge team they didn't have to run play action they didn't have to make uh, let Evan Peruski keep it around the outside they run their base standard running offense and destroyed Breckenridge with it and I'll leave the offense there at that but defensively there were some opportunities for Luke Saunders down the field the Bearcats secondary did a pretty darn good job of of keeping guys in traffic but the front four uh, kept Saunders on the move constantly and Luke Saunders if you don't know who he is he's a guy that's very capable to make all the throws on the run he's a very talented guy but they got him off his spot he never got a rhythm And when he had guys open, he flat out missed them. And that continued to spiral in his head. They kept falling further behind, and he put more and more weight on his shoulders and couldn't take it. But uh, you nailed it exactly with Brett Mueller. He adds another touchdown to the game with every extra point that he makes. And the starting field position that Breckenridge had, uh, they couldn't return a kickoff back to their own 20. Every series started inside their own 20 with 80-plus yards to go. And that gets old after a while. I don't care how much you love being on offense. That's a long ways to go against a very talented defense. And So the offense is great. The defense is continually getting better. And this special team doesn't get enough credit, led by Brett Mueller, the special team coverage guys, the blocking from kicking extra points. This team is the real deal.
3: You know, I'm glad, Dave, that you brought up that front four, because I, it's one thing I talked to Coach Sweeney, you know, from... It, it's uh, one thing for you guys are up in the tower. It's That's how a football game should be watched. Down on the field, it, it moves a little bit faster. And it seemed to me like the Ugly was blitzing, but they really weren't. That's just how much penetration that front four was getting. And they Saunders, I don't know if, if he was able to plant his feet all night. I mean, he was on the run. He was uncomfortable. Um, his decision-making was affected by that because on the, the first interception that he threw to Brando, if he throws on the other side of the field, he's got a wide open man, um, and Brandle should have housed the first one, and he he finally did get the the second uh, interception to go for for a pick. But uh, you know that it did that offense or that defense. It started with that front four, and then the, the linebackers did a phenomenal job, and and the secondary has been a real strength. I mean, for years and years and years, the the knock on Ugly as well. You know, the secondary is not very good. This secondary is pretty darn good. Honestly, ugly sees more spread teams than they do power run teams anymore. So they have to have a good secondary these days because that's the off- offenses that they're going against. And I thought they were so well prepared for this game. It was like they, they had the playbook.
1: Dave, you can attest to this as well. And when I was calling the game, it felt like every time that Breckenridge went back to pass, it felt like I was when I was calling it even, it felt like it was hurried. It, it was out of sorts of mix. It wasn't, okay, drops back, looks to pass. It was just frantic the entire time, and that goes credit goes to the Ubley defense, where it felt like they had Sa- – Saunders is a legit quarterback. He's had, I don't know how many thousands yards through the air, and Ubley literally 0 for 13 in the first half.
2: There was no rhythm. There was no uh, – they were on the wrong page at all times. It, you saw uh, – a lot of times – when you run play action, when you run shotgun, and it's a design pass play, not every time does it drop three steps and throw it. There's times where everything's covered or a linebacker blitzes and the quarterback's got to move. And when Luke Saunders rolled out of the pocket, if you were the receiver on the opposite side of the field after the first two series, go back and watch the tape. Those guys quit. Oh, he's rolling to the right. I'm on the left side. I'll just stay over here. Good passing teams don't do that. Those improvisation skills, those killer instincts that I'm still going to get open and help my quarterback out – Come to that side of the field because Saunders can make that throw, and those, are, those turn into the broken plays that turn into big plays for special passing offenses. He didn't get that help. If he rolled to the right, whatever receivers were over there were the only options he had, and that seemed to be the case all night long. And I think that really put a hurt on things. And, and then that ugly offense, they just kept loading on the touchdowns, and you just demoralized that team.
1: When we had the chance to talk to Eric Sweeney after the game, Ed Klumb, our sideline reporter, was able to catch up with him right after the trophy presentation. Talk about a team that was on the same mindset from the coach down to the, every single player through the JV players moved up for varsity. Here's what Eric Sweeney had to tell Ed club Well, you know, basically offensively, we just really emphasized our fakes this week. Um, you know, usually when we play a team from out of the area, they're not used to seeing our offense if we hide the ball and they had a hard time finding the ball. I thought that was been several years since I saw a complete half of football like we played in the first half. Well, it sounds like we're going to play Beale City. Beale City's good. They always are good. We played them two years ago. Uh, just have to sit back. You know, we get an extra day of preparation. We'll be playing Saturday in the semifinal. You know, just have to look at the film and see what we got. So it's one thing, you, you have the typical coach speak, but when Eric Sweeney is talking about those things, you wonder if the kids are ever going to listen to him or if that you know that message is received and believed. Here's what Logan Mueller had to say about five minutes later with no talking to his head coach in the meantime.
2: All right, so we went into this game knowing that fakes and running our just base offense is going to be the most important thing because they don't see our offense a whole lot. So, and it, it worked. It, everything that we wanted to happen happened. Uh, when they saw someone that they thought out the ball, they just fell for it and we just had clear running lanes. And I think that was the most major decider of why everything went so well tonight let's see so that's that's most what we worked on this week was fakes and we just stayed kept it simple oh man that is a whole another topic i remember sophomore year coming to the game watching everybody crying coming off the field we lost by one point i am ready for that game i can
1: tell you what talk about the same exact message work on the fakes Keep it simple, and they crushed Breckenridge because of it.
3: I, I talked to Coach Sweeney today um, for my preview, and he was telling me a story about uh, pregame. The, the coaches all go and give their spiel, and uh, he's, Coach Sweeney's looking at the room, and the eyes are just fixed on the coaches. And he, it, at that point, he goes, I really don't need to say much. These kids were chomping at the bit. They wanted to get out there. They were, they were so focused. They had bought in, and they just – they, they wanted to play some ball. Um, and Coach Sweeney was able to read the room. He just knew what his team was, was capable of. They are listening. They are buying in. And uh, it showed. You know, we we kind of talked uh, uh, with each other in the parking lot um, afterwards. And uh, we were trying to think of how we compare this game. And, Clark, you brought it up. This was probably the most impressive playoff Performance first half that we've seen since Harvard Beach beat Muskegon Catholic Central. Uh, that that first half there, what they did to Muskegon Catholic Central, it, it, it's it's kind of the only thing that we could compare it to in the playoffs. That's not supposed to happen in the playoffs. What what Ugly just did? I just can't, can't get. I can't get over how five minutes later it was
2: almost like we heard the same speech, the same thing over again. We had to execute our fakes. We got to run our base offense. We, everything that Coach Sweeney said uh, Logan Mueller said a couple of minutes later, and, and I repeat that because I just couldn't believe how on the same page this team is. It's just, it sounds like a broken record, but every person on that team is working their butts off. They have, they love going to the gym. They love coming to practice. And these coaches are special because in today's world, it's tough to get the most out of your kids And have them enjoy every second of it. And this coaching staff doesn't get enough credit for doing those two things, walking that line. And these kids are being rewarded with a semifinal game. Again, this program, this city, the town, they all benefit from these these types of things. There's a lot of schools that don't get to experience this you know, and the Albany Bearcats are doing it over and over, and over again. It starts with the coaching staff, the community, and these kids buying into this concept and they're having a great time doing it. And they've been kicking a lot of butts and it's been fun to watch.
1: With that, it's time to take a short break. And we'll shift our attention to the Ellington Pigeon Bayport Lakers against Palm Westphalia left side, or right side. You're listening to the strong side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on the WLW Sports Network with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams from the Huron County View. We've talked about the ugly Bearcats. Now let's talk about our other local team, the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers. And I'll be the first to say I did not give the Lakers much of a chance in this game against Paloma West Westphalia, traveling all the way over to Paloma West Westphalia, and they certainly proved me wrong as the Lakers, they were in this one throughout the entire the entire 48 minutes. The score doesn't show it, but they certainly were. Paul P. Adams was there. We'll get to him in a second. In the first quarter, Lakers marches right down the field on the very first drive. They get to the Puamo-Westphalia 15-yard line, and they throw an interception on a third and short into the end zone. Puamo-Westphalia recovers that interception, and they march down the field. Ends up with a 36-yard pass from Troy Wirtman to Damian Spitzley. The PAT from Russell is good. It's 7 nothing Puamo-Westphalia in the first quarter. 7.45 before the half is over. Dak Ewalt for Poam Westphalia strikes for the second time this, this afternoon for the Pirates. PAT from Russell is good. It's 14-0 at the half. No scoring in the third. Lakers threw a second interception with less than a minute left in the third quarter. 14-0 after three. In the fourth quarter, Lakers' Connor McCain is hit hard and fumbles late in the game. Recovered by Pouam Westphalia and with five minutes left, Pouam Westphalia hits the end zone for the third time of Brody Miles' 10-yard run. Final score, Pawan Westphalia 20, Lakers nothing. But Pawan Westphalia was not the typical domination performance by them by any means. And of all the teams that Pawan Westphalia played this year, the Lakers played them the toughest.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was the second lowest uh, scoring output of, this, of the season for Pawan Westphalia. This was a team that was scoring over 40 points a game. Um, I just kept waiting. I'm like, where is this blue blood, uh, best team in the state, you know, that I've been hearing about? Wamo didn't do anything that was overly impressive. They're an efficient team. Um now Ewalt did get knocked out in the second quarter uh with a like, likely concussion and that maybe changed their plans a little bit. But even then it was still a 14 to nothing game and Lakers was very much in it. Um but you got to go back to that that it was actually the second possession that Lakers well, threw yes. through that uh, interception on uh they traded punts. It, it really you go back to the first two possessions when Lakers punted. You're thinking, well, here we go. You know, Paloma was just going to march it down the field. When that Laker defense helped for the first time and and forced Paloma to punt, I'm like, oh, we've got something here. And then, you know, Zach Kretschmer breaks a big run. Connor McCain with a nice run. And third and short, in the red zone, um, Coach LaVaster talked about this. He thought they could catch him. Maybe sleeping on that third and short, knowing that their running game was good and they'd probably pick up the fourth down if, if the pass wasn't good. But uh, threw in a double coverage and the pass was intercepted. And, and I would just like to see what that drive would have been if Lakers could have finished that off and really put Pawamo on their heels. But uh, believe me, Pawamo knew they were in a ball game. This Laker team, forget about that 40 to 8 drubbing that they took from from Ubley. That's not the same team. This team was so totally different. Offensively and defensively, um, you know, offensively they were strapped, and that that Palomo defense is 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 legit. But on the other side, you know, Palomo was held 178 yards rushing and 102 yards passing. Let me tell you, if you'd have told Coach Lavasser and his team that you're going to give them those numbers up to Palomo, they would have taken them and said, "We're going to be in this ball game," and they were. I I think they earned a lot of respect from uh, not only us but a lot of people around the state saw that score and like, holy cow. The Lakers are legit, and they are. I, I I love I love what I saw. Even though we're talking a twenty to nothing shutout, it just didn't feel like it.
2: I think they give Traverse City, St. Francis, and uh, Jackson-Lumen Christie, they give them a little bit of a blueprint and uh, maybe a little hope that Powamo West isn't as dominant as they think they are. But as we all said, very impressed with the Lakers. When I saw the game was twenty to nothing, I went wow. Like never impressed with a shutout game, but to hold Poamo to twenty, uh, they allowed no rhythm. <clears throat> They just had everything, everything worked the way they needed to. Just a couple turnovers. Too many turnovers hurt this team. This team doesn't typically turn it over. They may occasionally throw a pick because they're an aggressive nature passing team, but to have a couple picks, uh, they put the ball on the ground just too many times uh, Four total turnovers in the game is going to be what's going to haunt them. I, I know the play action on third and inches is something they're going to regret, but, um, you also have to trust your quarterback's gonna make good decisions because if if that you can't throw it in double coverage either. So I take a little bit of that off of Coach Lavasser, but uh, nonetheless, this Lakers team—talk about most improved from week one till now. This team, I, I would love to see this team suit up and play ugly this weekend. That would be a, an awesome game. It would be a completely different match. Uh, that's how much better the Lakers have played. And, and they gave Pawamo a real punches chance. And I, I'm very proud of their performance.
3: You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Dave. I was sitting on the sideline wondering the same thing. I'm like... I know that Ugly beat this team 40-8 to in Week 2. I would love to see Ugly against that Laker team. I think that would be a phenomenal game and really kind of tell you where both teams are. But I, I wanted to make the point, um, I asked Coach LeVaster, did did Paloma do anything that surprised you? And he said the one thing that surprised them a little bit, and I think this was a real key to the game, was how quickly Paloma was able to jump into the pass defense, uh, maybe from a run-look defense, and uh, held held the Lakers to 7 for 15 passing for only 55 yards. And that Lakers desperately needed that passing game because they were getting enough in the running game to keep the chains moving, but they needed to complete some passes every now and then. And uh, you know, credit to Palamo's defense. They really did a great job on Dylan Wayner. He's one of the best receivers we've seen in this area in a long time. And they, they were they were all over him. They were all over Michael Good, and they, they were making um the combination of Zach Kretschmer and Connor McCain very uncomfortable when they when they wanted to complete a pass. So that defense is legit. There's no no question about that. I think Lakers could have had any pass game, it, it might have even been a, 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 a much different game
2: well I like how Connor McCain was was still willing to check it down I think that was very important for them uh you know good teams are going to take away your best players right so if they're double teaming Wainer making things tough you still got to look that way give them a chance and when you see two defenders that means it's one-on-one somewhere else and he was very patient yes there's seven completions yes there's only 55 yards but those five- and six-yard completions, like you said, Paul, make third down a lot shorter. And uh, heaven forbid if they get the fourth down, if it's fourth and one or two, those are downs that you can get even on a good defense. So that's kept the chains moving, kept the offense on the field. Uh, but I still circle those four turnovers. You just cannot do that, especially this time of the year. And uh, Poamo might have been scared, but... That defense is the reason that they're the favorite in this uh, in this division seven, and that's they showed it. Even when they were bending, they didn't break. They forced turnovers when they needed to, uh, which stopped the uh, the momentum of Lakers.
1: And that secured Palm West Philly's eighth regional title in eleven years. Of course, they're the state champions in 16, 17, and nineteen. Last year, they were booted out of the playoffs due to COVID. As their they actually their JV squad won the first week of the postseason. And the second week of the postseason, before they had to bow out due to COVID nineteen protocol in the district final, Lakers finishes the season at nine in three, and ever since that Reese loss, they went on. They went into Axe, and Dave. We saw it there. That was a completely different game. We saw what Dave Lavaster was doing with this program, moving in the right direction. And ever since that point, man, it's been tough to stop the Lakers, and and, and took Paloma's failure to the to the ninth round.
3: You know, you know, some teams go into a game. You know what? What West was failure. They hear the name, they're beat. They're beat before they even take the field. Lakers was not intimidated, and Lakers they truly believed that they were going to win that game. And that starts with Coach Lavasser. Uh, you know, we talk all the time. The cliche is changing the culture of the program. Well, guess what? The culture has changed, and I hope that 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 trend that trend continues. Uh, I saw a completely different team from middle of the season to now. This, like Dave said. So vastly improved, so vastly different, playing with confidence and, and just believing in their system. And it took a while for them to understand that offense and to catch up. But once they did, uh it showed and the defense, uh, you know, gotta give a gotta give a, a, a mention to Coach Ron Dubs. I mean, he's done a, a tremendous job uh with that defense. Uh and it, they had some tremendous players that they're gonna lose. So it, it's gonna be interesting to see how the lakers retool but i think uh, i think the groundwork's been laid a really good foundation for years to come uh with what they did this year
1: yeah, you look at the lakers they're losing nick the force uh zach kretschmer dylan Wayner, logan Collison russell colton Orivitas. i think that's a big piece there that they're going to graduate but for- but the good thing is the fortunate thing for the lakers is they're bringing back michael good they'll have a healthy ethan wisner back next year They'll have Connor McCain back at quarterback. They've got a lot of good pieces coming back for this program that Lavasser certainly can build on.
3: Yeah, uh, I I posted a picture of Colt. Not to uh, mention Luke Braun. Luke Braun coming back. I picture. I I posted a picture of Colt uh, with the with the final embrace with Coach Lavasser. And uh, you know, for those who didn't see it, I didn't. I had my back turned to the players, and I thought they'd all dispersed. And I was talking to Coach Lavasser for six minutes in the cold in the rain not thinking that there was any players behind me. And here was Colt standing behind me just to hug his coach for one more time. So that's what that coach-player relationship meant to him. And I, of course, did apologize to him for making him wait. I had no idea. But, uh, you know, when you see that picture and you see the emotion on both of their faces, that's what high school sports are about, you know, the win, winning and losing. But it's about building relationships that are going to last a lifetime. And I have no doubt that, that that's one that's going to last for a long, long time between those two.
2: Right, it's tough, man. When you you lose a lot of pieces like that, but in, in this area, there's a lot of young kids that are going to step up, and uh, this team's going to be hungry uh, to try to get that uh, that league title outright next year. And I, there's nobody that's that that likes to win more than Ethan Wisner, and I know for a fact he's going to come back bigger, stronger, faster than ever. Uh, this team's going to be a threat next year again. I, I really believe that.
1: It's time for another short break, and we'll return. We'll discuss Obley's opponent for next week, the Beale City Aggies, as they took on Carson City Crystal. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 in live and worldwide at www.lwsports.com. Side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 in live and real live at WLW Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams with you. 40 minutes into tonight's episode of The Strong Side. We've talked about the Ubley Bearcats, we've talked about the Elkton Pigeon Bay Port Lakers. Now let's take a look at Ubley's opponent for the next week, the Beale City Aggies. They were hosting Carson City Crystal, the Eagles. A Team that Ubbly beat last year in the regional finals, I do believe that was their opponent. And the first quarter, Carson City Crystal comes out with a three and out punt right away. Beale City next drive, they drive down to the goal line. They fumble, allegedly recovered by Carson City Crystal. And Beale City recovers. In the Very next play, Cade Block with a two yard run. The PAT is good. It's 7 0 Beale City. Next drive, Carson City Crystal punts. Beale City on their next drive, Cade Block with his second score of the night. A four-yard run, the PAT is good. It's fourteen nothing Beale City, in the second quarter. Carson City Crystal with yet another three and out punt. Beale City then cannot convert turnover on downs in Carson City ter- uh, Carson City Crystal territory. Then the Eagles can't do anything with it as well. One minute remain in the second quarter. Beale City caps off a five-minute eighty-yard drive. Sound familiar? With a Cade block two-yard run, the PAT is good. It's twenty-one nothing Beale City, and then four seconds before the half is over. Smith with a 60-yard pass to Paul Wright for a Carson City crystal. They call timeout. They try and throw him into the end zone. Instead, he is sacked. Sounds like the end of the Lions game. 21-0. It is Beale City at halftime. In the third quarter, Beale City's very first play of the third quarter, Cade Block breaks out for a 65-yard run for Beale City. The PAT fails. It's 27-0, Beale City. And then Cade Block with his another score, his final score of the night, a 13-yard run. P.A.T.'s good. It makes it 34-0 Beale City. Then the Aggies fumble. Then six minutes left finally in the fourth quarter. Carson City-Crystal hits the uh, goal line for the first time. An eight-yard pass to Duck Bings. Makes it 34-6 against the second string of Beale City. And then with 24 seconds again, they score again. A Smith 19-yard pass to Kate Bolin. A 59-yard drive and 41 seconds down the field. Two-point conversions good. Final score, Beale City 34. Carson City-Crystal 14. Beale City now takes on the ugly Bearcats on a neutral site in Mount Morris.
3: Not Mount Pleasant.
1: Not Mount Pleasant. Mount which Morris.
3: Uh, which brought some joy and happiness to uh, Bearcat fans, for sure. But, uh, you know, this Beale City team, they're for real. We got to see them a couple years ago. They they run this du- the double wing. It's uh, something that we simply do not see in this area. It's hard to prepare for. They do a lot of jet things, jet sweeps out of this. Um, you know, you look at Cade Block... 15 carries, 148 yards, five touchdowns. You know, I I'd like to see how those came. Are are those mostly coming on the sweeps, or are, is he getting yards in the middle? Uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't broke down the tape? Maybe you have, Clark. But uh, you know, th- th- what sticks out to me more than their offense is their defense. They've allowed 95 points this year. They're allowing less than eight points a game, and in those 14 points they allowed to Carson City. Uh, Crystal, don't be too fooled by those. Those came in the fourth quarter, much like uh, uh, the six points that Breckenridge scored against uh, Ubley, against the JV. So, uh, you know, I, I, this has the feeling to me of a slugfest, a defensive running game slugfest. And, uh, you know, it could be in the quarterback's hands, both of them, you know, Evan Peruski and the quarterback for Beale City. Um, whoever can make a few more plays, maybe through the passing game or with their legs. And as we we saw Uh, Before the the show started, the Beale City quarterback doesn't run, so he's pretty much there to hand off the ball and and complete some passes. So uh, it could be in both of their hands.
2: They didn't use the passing game much, but uh, I I I know I'm pretty sure Hunter Miles can throw it, so I would say him and uh, Peruski are on a fairly even level there. But uh, I like what you said. Um, You said it right at the beginning. Uh, Talk about an even a mirror version of each other. Now, yes, they don't run the wing T in Beale city, but uh, they like to run the football. They're very physical. They, they like to, you know, do different things to confuse you on offense, similar to what the wing T wants to do. And on defense, they just don't give up much. Um, you know, they, they are defensively sound. They, they fill the gaps. They make tackles in open space. So play calling is going to be where it's at for me. I I would, I, I think, this is going to be the biggest challenge for Coach Eric Sweeney, calling these plays. Um, how early do you go to a play-action pass? You know how, how well you mix things up? Because we've really seen the base offensive Ugly. You've seen maybe one, two, or three pages of the 12-page playbook. They haven't even gone down that well yet. So we'll see how comfortable they are in the middle and back end of that playbook. And I think that'll make a difference. But for Ubley to be patient and grind out drives, that's what they do. And... This may not be a 65-6 game. It may be a 12-6 game, but I still like Ubley's odds. This team just doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses. They don't turn the ball over, and that's what I like about them.
3: Possessions are going to be at a premium in this game. Uh, I think you could be looking at max 4-5 to five per team the way these two teams want to control the ball. So you have got to make sure that you're making the most of each and every possession. There's no throwaway possessions Um in this game, you know you feel like Ugly. You look at Marlette and uh, Breckenridge; uh, they could have afford to throw away a possession here or there because they were just going to have their way. Every every possession counts for both of these teams, and uh, you know because they're going to grind it out. You you mentioned they had a five minute eighty yard drive. Uh, that's what Ugly wants to do. So who can do it better? Who can get a stop? Mistakes are obviously going to be magnified hugely, uh, as we've seen. Ugly does not make many of them. Uh, I don't remember the last turnover the Bearcats have had, and they don't they don't commit on many penalties either. So, uh, you know, th- th- plain and simple, Ubley doesn't beat itself, but neither does Beale City. So, who's gonna blink?
1: That's a very good question. Cade Blank, the running back, ended up with 15 carries for 148 yards and five touchdowns in this game against Carson City Crystal. Jameson Latham, a sophomore, nine carries, 109 yards, for the Aggies. Hunter Miles, the quarterback. Beale City, this is their 14th semifinal appearance in 28 years. 50% of the time, they've made it to the state semifinals. In the playoffs this year, they've scored 111, and they've allowed just 18 points. All three scorers during the fourth quarter with their second string or more included. These, these teams, if you couldn't find a better mirror image of each other, it's Beale City and Upley. Hey. Both rural towns, both love their football, both love to run the ball. Three yards in a cloud of dust, which results sometimes in 30 yards and some dust behind them. But regardless, Beal City and Ubley is going to be a great game this coming Saturday.
3: You want to talk about playoff defense, though? Ubley's only allowed 12. Uh, six of those came in the first possession of the second half against Harbor Beach, and the other six came in the final play of the game against Breckenridge. So, you know, Beal City's getting a lot of run for its defense, and rightfully so. But th- this Ubley defense is is right there with them. So I, I, I think as many problems as, as the Beal City defense is going to give Ubley, I think Ubley's defense is going to give that many problems to, to Beal City. Bill
2: City is a glorified thumb team, let's be real. They, they, that's exactly what they are, uh, and these teams have some familiarity with each other, and uh, I really think that there won't be a ton of surprises by each team. It's just going to be a physical, uh, who can push the other one around and, and do it consistently to finish off a drive with some points. Uh, this may be the game where, where, where Brett Mueller makes a couple field goals, and that might be the difference. Uh, but uh, when it comes down to it, though, I still think Ubley's got a chip on their shoulder from uh, just a year or two ago. So that might be enough for them as long as they can control that emotion and take it out in the right way on Beale City. Uh, But this will be the toughest test the the Bearcats have had all season long and can't wait to see how they respond.
1: That's why they call it the state semifinals for a reason. It's time for one more short break and we'll return. We'll look at these two teams head to head right here on the strong side. Left side or right side? You're listening to the strong side. We're down to our final eight minutes of this evening's episode, and it's time for the next week of the playoffs. Week number four of the postseason. Division seven. No local teams, but Westphalia will be against Traverse City Saint Francis in Cedar Springs, Michigan. Talk about two blood blue bloods there. The Gladiators against the Pirates, and their side Lawton and Lumen Christy from Jackson. Division eight Whitford Whiteford of Ottawa Lake, however we'd like to say it against Hudson. That came at a neutral site, and then Beale City and Ubley in Mount Morris. For a neutral site, Ubly has an hour and a half drive, Beale City has an hour and 28. It's like the MHSA actually did their homework and said, let's find a, a halfway distance between these. Now, personally, I would like Mount Pleasant's larger tower, but that's, there's one person, maybe two people in the entire thumb that want that. But I, I do like Mount Morris' central location.
3: I think if Ubley would have had they play at Mount Pleasant. They might beat Beale City by three touchdowns. I think they would have been that, that motivated, motivated and, and angry again. I mean, Ubley's had to play there twice. Um, but, yeah, how about that? The MHSA finally gets it right. It only took them three times uh, to, to finally put uh, – uh, Neutral site supposed to be neutral site. You're not supposed to uh, be able to, to get in a bus and ride 10 minutes to, to the game. I'm talking to uh, anybody that has to play uh, – ish for me as well up north <laughs> but uh yeah i i like it it's a place i've never been before so i always like to see new facilities and uh this one looks this one at mount pleasant looks uh spectacular
1: you mean mount morris
3: uh mount, mount morris there you go. i got my mounts wrong sorry
2: right i'm looking
3: forward to mount morris
2: too because uh for us clark it, it's a new place to go travel to a new place to see and uh, experience so that we're excited about that but i'm with you i you mentioned that uh there's only maybe two or three of us that would like to go on to mount pleasant uh, that whole Upley football team would have no problem going to Mount Pleasant this year. They, they would have absolutely, uh, if they could hit any harder or be any more physical, I, I think that would have done it to them. But either way, I still like their odds. I, the MHSA, I always firmly believe they care about Division One, Two, II, and Three, And when they get to higher numbers, they don't care as much anymore. And uh, it, I'm glad they got it right this time. So I'm excited to go to Mount Morris. Uh, it feels like a fair fight to begin with. And uh, this thing is going to be physical, right? It might be physical at the coin toss.
1: Let's be honest. Wow, that'd be they, quite the sight.
3: They they would uh they would play this game in a parking lot. They I don't think either one of these two teams care um where where they're playing, to be honest with you. I think the fans, maybe in the media, care a little bit more than the players really do. Uh they just want to play and they're gonna get that opportunity to to see who the best team is.
1: Well, for those wondering what Beale City looks like, very similar, double wing offense. So similar to what Lakers set up last year was with a Wing back on either side. They sometimes have a tailback tailback behind the quarterback under center. And they like to either counter to one side, do a jet sweep with number one, Cade Block, their key running back on the season. He has about 100 carries, 1,100 yards, 23 touchdowns. He averages just over 10 yards per carry. Through the air, they've thrown the ball about 75, 80 times for about 700 yards. Sounds familiar. They only throw when they have to. Jamison Latham. Forty-nine carries, five hundred and sixty-nine yards, six touchdowns. He averages about ten yards per carry. Wade Wilson, twenty-five carries, two hundred and sixty-four yards, and four touchdowns. He averages ten yards per carry. A lot of similarities here between Beale City and Ubley. And I think I still think Ubley has the advantage here. They have the they they have that game from two years ago, twenty-one twenty, when they didn't convert on that two point conversion. Beale City then went on to lose to Reading in the state championship. I think Ubley certainly has that. They have they certainly have all the Billboard or some bulletin board material, but on top of that, they have the offense. They have the defense.
3: Here's what you can say about two years ago: that ugly team wasn't supposed to be there.
1: No, they're 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 shooting they, they above
3: play, their. They played over day. their heads. They played out of their minds for their for their coach Bill Sweeney in his his final hurrah. This team is quite frankly more talented offensively and defensively, and now they have cha- championship game pedigree. Most of these guys were at fourth Field last year. This team was expected to be great. And they are great, so I think there's a lot of uh, differences between probably two years ago and this year. And uh, when you think about it, that team that overachieved lost by one point, you know, one point and uh, a two-point conversion that was really close. If they had Brett Mueller kicking, and he probably could have kicked two years <laughs> ago for him, they probably would have won that game. So you know, Brett Dave brought it up. Brett Mueller could be a next factor in this game. Is this could come down to a field goal? I've been saying it all year. Like in a close game. It could be a field goal, and it could be on the leg of Brett Mueller. And I believe we've seen this kid in in, in warmups. He 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 can hit him from anywhere, and he hits him with distance. He's just dreamy. He is dreamy. The one the one common denominator
2: of Beal City is uh, I don't know what how good that Beal City team was compared to this one. Uh, that the only thing I challenge. But uh, back to where this started with Beal City. The, the major difference on offense between what Beal City is going to do and what is going to do is Beal City is going to have some people moving. There's going to be a lot of motion, a wide receiver going one way or the other. Uh, If not, you're going to see a lot of. If you don't see that, you're going to see a lot of receivers moving parallel behind the line of scrimmage. So those 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 double wing backs are going to be going one way or the other sideways, and that's going to tell you which way the play is going to go. Uh, Most of the time, so for Ugly to keep an eye on those wingbacks and watch where they go, watch which way the guard pulls. On top of that, and uh, if there's any team that strategizes, game plans, watches film, and digests it as good as anybody, it would be the Ugly Ugly coaching staff.
3: During the break, we were watching some highlights of Beale City, and one thing that stood out to me is their line gets tremendous push. And so this is going to be on Ugly. It's not. It doesn't come down to physicality for Ugly. It comes down to technique. They're all technique driven, offensively and defensively. So it's can can they execute their technique, what they've been taught? So far, it's been nearly perfect. I think they're they're going to be able to do it again.
1: Coverage from Mount Morris, Michigan, will begin this Saturday at twelve noon on the dot. With Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, the whole crew will be there from Mount Morris, Michigan, including Ed Clump on the sidelines. An addition we made brought in this past week. Coverage at 12 noon, kickoff at 1 p.m. between the Beale City Aggies and the Bear Bearcats. In the state semifinals, just down to four teams in Division 8. The Ubley Bearcats, one of them, and certainly have a great chance to make it to Ford field and perhaps take that final step for the first time in school history.
3: I got a good feeling.
1: I got a feeling too. We'll see if it comes true. And I'm sure Eric Sweeney will have his squad ready and for a great week of practice. Dave Hansen, thank you for joining us, and thank you to all of our listeners for listening tonight of the edition of The Strong Side. The Strong Side, presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Thumb Bank and Trust, Randy's Hunting Center, Thompson Chevrolet and Wolverine Auto Brokers, and Share Health. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021.
0: This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.